Sound Setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. And it is Sunday, December 22nd, 2019, uh, just before I leave town. Yeah. And you are not. I'm not leaving town, no. You are going to, you're from here originally. I am, yeah. So uh, there's not a lot of places for us to go. <laughs> I mean, you could go anywhere you want. Uh, we do have a lot of family in Buffalo, which sometimes we'll visit in December. Usually we try to see them every every In July December, so. wow. That's every, every now and again after Christmas, we'll go for my mom's birthday. I've been in Buffalo in the winter, and it's it's rough. Yeah, technically it's Niagara Falls, which is about 20 minutes outside of Buffalo. Mm. They actually they live in a barrel in yeah. Niagara Falls. Yeah, yeah, it's a rough vacation. Uh, John, we're not alone. We are not alone. We have a crossover from one of my other podcasts. Right. From the uh, the Invisible Treats Network, which is just the thing I say. <laughs> That's all it is so far. Uh, but from uh, I'll just warn people in case you haven't listened to like Open Call, which is the other podcast that uh, I bought a new mixer that has sounds built in. So yeah, this is Get where ready. this is going to come from. The spirit of this podcast is about to change. <laughs> so let's uh, please welcome to the show. <laughs> Casey Lawrence. Oh, hey. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, I'm sorry. Dude. Did that did that clap just kind of were those individual claps that you were those yeah. yeah. You wanted to go through every person in the audience and hear their individual Got clap. Yeah. Yes, because so important. I know, because I know some people that listen are are technically uh, interested. I have a Zoom Live Track L8, which is a mixer board. Uh, and it's not very expensive actually in the grand scheme of things, which has a bunch of podcasting features which are very nice. Right. Yeah. Um, so the three of us are all the next Howard Stern. That's yeah. It's about to happen. Um, but it, it comes with six sound pads that I can hit and they come with built in sound. I can put my own, but it comes with some example ones. And the applause one, I think, is suboptimal. We've had, we just had dinner before this and you're really upset about this yeah. applause one. I mean, it, it is not as bad as I expected because, like, if you leave it playing for a little bit, oh, I don't There's think it fades. I don't think it fades out though. It doesn't fade out. You can just hold it. That's I mean, that sounds like applause. You just hold it, yeah. and it, it, I, I heard <clears> it loop a couple of times. It does, it's yeah. A perfect loop. This is about three seconds. <laughs> you know the way real applause does. Yeah, it uh, it's a huge loop. Uh, Casey, you are my co-host for uh, Rule of Threes, which is our podcast about the NBA. That's correct. Um, which uh, really has no crossover. That is this. not true. There is one huge crossover that we one thirtieth of the league. one thirtieth of the league right. is very full of magic. Yeah, uh, and it's the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, it took me a long time to realize that the Orlando Magic was called that because of Disney. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? One of the great shames is that there are two professional sports teams named after Disney properties. Oh, oh, yes. What's the, the other one? The other one is what the movie was based on. That's right. Uh, the Ducks of Anaheim were the Mighty Ducks in their National Hockey League team. Is that where the name, the, du- the Anaheim Ducks, comes from? Yes. It's from the Mighty Ducks? They were an expansion team that was, the team name came from the Mighty Ducks. I know. From idea. the movie, right? Yeah, from the movie. Yeah. That is fascinating. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like many Americans, I would have assumed uh, we would have guessed it was the other way around. Does Disney own the yes. Angels? Disney does not own the Angels. But is Angels in the Outfield a Disney movie? It is a Disney movie. And that's about the Anaheim Angels? Uh, that is correct. However, the California Angels existed long before. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, that was a gleam in the eye of Christopher Lloyd. I see. But they actually used uh, the act. Like in that movie, it's the California Angels. It, it is the California Angels. Which yeah. Christopher Lloyd? Back to the Future Christopher Lloyd or, oh, yeah. or uh, Modern Family Christopher Lloyd? Back to the Future Christopher gotcha. Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd, who um, was a home interiors uh talk uh show host for a while yeah <laughs> do you know that guy no uh 
he was a very effeminate gay man who would talk about uh i just remember and i used to try to do this he would say if you paint if you're going to paint your house if you're going to paint a room in your house why paint the four colors and not paint the ceiling why put like a white hat on such a nice outfit yeah <laughs> and a lot of people I don't do have that any white hats people put colors on the four walls but the ceiling is still white wow i wonder if there's something about you know just like having a ceiling that looks like what the sky would look like if you were looking straight into the sun. Huh? If there's a plus to that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's something good about it. Maybe (laughs) Maybe so. Um, So Casey, we were talking very briefly before the podcast about you. You mentioned, we stopped from talking about because we want to talk about it here. You mentioned that you have performed a magic trick. I performed a magic trick one time. Okay. How how recent was this? This was approximately a year ago. Oh, okay. Very recent. Yeah. Uh, And And, and we've known each. We've met. We had uh, met over a year ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think we met met once before. I don't remember the first time we met, but then you were at the uh, UCB Magic and Comedy Show. I came to the Magic and Comedy Show. I know that was over a year ago because I brought a girl to that who was not my current girlfriend because we hadn't met yet. Mm. Right. So uh, that was when you did. uh, Did you do a bank night? I did. Yeah. Oh, uh, my, I was just thinking about that recently. I was wondering, I'm trying to remember in retrospect if, if, if that show went well. Because I've never been asked to be back on. And I don't know if that's just because I've never kind of like dropped in and been like, hey, I'd love to do it again. Uh, or if they're just actively or like, pass. You know what I mean? So I'm not trying to retro- retroactively go like, was that any good? What you need to know, I think, is how many other people have been repeat uh, a few. I mean, Robert's been on like four You're like, times. Um, everybody else. Right. I, I enjoyed you at that show. Oh, thank you. So uh, that was uh, that was a good one. Uh, and uh, that's it for today. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I did a magic trick. Was okay, it a right. good magic trick? No. But uh, where did you learn? Yeah, tell tell me that. Spin me a tale here. I did a magic trick that is much like uh, it is a very me magic trick mm-hmm. in that I improvised it. Okay. It was not good, uh, but I had a. I had, a, I had a deck of cards and I had somebody pick a card uh, and then I did a confusing thing where I like shuffled the cards into two piles and I had them pick one and I was able to eventually get to which card they had picked because I had put it in the wrong way. And I like hid that from them Oh, uh, in a way that I think I just took advantage of a drunk person who was not able to pay attention very well sure. at what was happening. Uh but they just asked me to do a magic trick for them. I was like, uh, I can try. I just, so wait, you improvised this nowhere. trick on your I own? I improvised this trick on my own. Well, that's pretty good. It was not good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming on here to say I'm anything uh, other than a fraud. Okay. Uh, a fraud who did a magic trick, remembers doing it, and being like, how the fuck did that work out? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I just like confused them by talking too much. Okay. When you say put it in the wrong way, you put it. Uh, I put it in, uh, you know, facing the wrong way right. with the other cards. Because also another way to do that would be to have a one way back on the cards. Yeah, uh, and put it in the wrong way that way. Right. Uh, I I think that's very impressive to I, just improvise a trick and have it work. I mean, the person who I did the trick for was pretty sloshed. It was okay. at a, uh, a friend. They were actually unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just a mop with a face drawn on. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, was I the one who was drunk? What? Right. So I'm curious, uh, whose idea, did, did, were you talking about magic? How did we get into this? Did no, this person there just, was a no, deck it sounds of cards. Like it was a trick, just do me a magic trick. Yeah, there okay. was a deck of cards, and I think I was just shuffling it because sure. it was you know in my hands and you know idle hands uh, and the devil, et cetera. Um, 
and they saw it and they were like, do you know any magic? I was like, no, not really. Uh, I could try. But you did. I wow. did. I did a magic. You d- you split it in two piles. How many did you continue from there? I, I split it into a lot of piles. This happened over a year ago. I'm having a hazy time remembering this. You uh, were also slush. <laughs> I was right. definitely not slush. <laughs> uh, I, I, w- I would like separate them out by piles and I would – uh, I had one where it was two piles and then I separated out into five piles and I just had a bunch of different piles mm-hmm. and I made sure that either they weren't looking or didn't know when I put the card that was theirs into a specific pile. Uh-huh. Uh, and maybe like I asked like, is your card in this pile? And they'd be like, no. I was like, well, yeah, it was because it was in this other pile, <laughs> you know, standard, uh, like whatever answer you give me is the answer I was looking for. Oh, I mean, you did just stumble into a very real (laughs) Real principle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is just lying. Right. (laughs) I mean, you know, I've, I've seen enough magic to know that, you know, you got to lie to people and, uh, Chris has done tricks for me, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, before our show to, you know, he's been practicing his, uh, I don't do a lot of, uh, I don't find a lot of equivoque very appealing. I will say neither do I. Equivoque is the concept that, um, you know, like if I say like, uh, here, say right or left. Uh, left. Uh, and I, I can basically pick which pile I give you. Yes. Right. Because it, I can say, it, like, oh, my left. Well, there you go. <laughs> or your left, you know. Yeah. You know, I'll have, like, yeah, two things in my hand, you know, like keys and my phone. Or, like, I'm holding my phone in this tube of chapstick. So I'd say, uh, point at one of these. Great, we're going to get rid of uh, my phone. And just, I, I, <laughs> we're just going to end up with the chapstick. Always but, the chapstick, every so time. So you either point at the chapstick and I go, great, that's what we'll use. Or you point at the phone and I go, oh, so we're just going to get rid of that. And the idea is you, yeah. there there are times where it can be effective, but oftentimes it, it you people will do it four times in a row and people will notice that like what you're doing with these choices changes. <laughs> changes that's, yeah. yeah, that's particularly problematic. And, and some people have come up with very elegant solutions to that problem and others have not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do actually like it when people say... Um, Okay, I've got these two piles. Just touch one of them, and whichever the one you touch is the one we're going to keep. Like right. when they're super, I find that very appealing. Right, because it's just um, so clear. Yeah, and it's like there's no wiggle room as to like how how you're going to get out of that. Uh, there's a great story at uh, Magic Live maybe four years ago. It's a big magic convention, uh, one of the biggest magic conventions in um, in the United States at least. It happens in Las Vegas every year. Uh, there's this magician who's been around for decades. He's great. He's this fantastic comedy magician. This British guy named Wayne Dobson. I believe he has. Um, Oh gosh, he has a degenerative nerve disease. I want to say, um, I think he has MS, uh, and so uh, he's still alive. But over the past couple of years, he, you know, he's in a wheelchair. Um, he can't really walk. He doesn't really perform. You know, he can't perform anymore. Um, and uh, so he was doing this. They, they had him on stage for like this. They have these sort of TED Talk esque events, and he's on stage, and, and, and you know, he doesn't look very good, and, and he's kind of being interviewed, and so he's doing this trick. Um, and he goes, great. And of course, he's very, very, very slow, and he can't talk very well. And he goes, uh, to someone, he goes, you know, red, red or black. And then he goes, red. He goes, okay, so we'll get rid of the red cards and, and we'll use the, the black cards. And now imagine clubs and spades. And like, he does this really, really, really slow thing. And you can tell that like the, the, the process is changing every single time. So eventually, usually, like, it'll, it'll narrow it down to a card. And then someone will have that card predicted. And then at the end of all of this, uh, it's like three minutes of process of building up to this, you know, and people are laughing because they, it's just weird. Um, and he's kind of making a joke out of it, but, but it's also playing it sort of seriously. And at the end, he just opens this big envelope and he goes, well, I made a prediction. And that said, and it just says, this trick sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, does Wayne Dobson like sell a lot of stuff? He does. Yeah. I think I feel like I bought yeah. some. There's of a lot of Wayne Dobson. Yeah. Some of it's quite good. Um, 
Was he in the Amazing Jonathan documentary? You know, I actually have not watched that yet, hmm. so I don't know. I feel like that name sounded familiar because he like got a picture with, uh, like, the Jonathan got a picture with Wayne Dobson. Oh, fascinating! Oh, maybe. And in like one of the like, hey, we're at Matt. The what do you Live. think of the uh, of that documentary? Um, man, that was uh, a weird documentary. Yeah, I have not sat down and sat down and watched it yet, but the the concept of it. And the trailer and the way it sounds like it comes off is is so is so amazing, Jonathan. You yeah. know, the, the whole premise is that like there's a he eventually hires his own documentary crew, which he then limits the documentary crew of the documentary you're watching, right? Yes, that's so funny. Uh, yeah, it was it was incredibly strange, right. and I uh, I I was watching it because I saw the. His wife did a segment on Fool Us. Right, yeah. And uh, I, I watched that, Sin. and I was like, okay. Uh, and that's a bizarre segment. Have yes, you seen it is, that? It is uh-huh. an absolutely bizarre segment. Right. Um, and so I watched I, it. I, I didn't like, know she was a magician. Yeah, she is. And in this movie, uh, the do- the documentary, they don't say that at all. Ah, the roast version response to that would be like, she still isn't. Oh. <laughs> hey. Uh, she had a lot of, like, there was a lot of body modification stuff. That yeah, she, she has, do. like, all this. Her, her thing is that, like, she has a bunch of, like, microchips and stuff planted in her body. Ooh. So she kind of, like, labels herself as, like, a cyborg. Ooh, a cyborg. Maybe a futurist. Ooh. T- uh, Casey's wearing a shirt that says futurist. I got it at Target for eight fifty, and I already spilled soy sauce on it. <laughs> uh, was that from dinner? Yeah, it was from dinner. Uh, you, um, the, 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 was I telling you that, uh, I don't forget who I was telling, but the, do you know who it produced the other documentary? Well, there's two, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember... They don't. Sh- they don't tell you in the movie. Oh. Uh, oh yes, I remember looking it up and being like, "Oh shit, that guy." Yeah, comedian oh. Steve Byrne. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Korean American comedian Steve Byrne. Weird, yeah. Weirdly was, and I think he might be in the movie. He might be. He might be slightly in the movie. Blurred out. Voice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, in the movie. So that's. I, I so needed to know. So it's real. Yes, that is real for sure. Because I heard Steve Byrne in an interview talk about how weird it was. And Steve Byrne ended up. Steve Byrne has released his documentary for free on YouTube, I believe. Oh, okay. I thought I. I still wasn't positive it was some weird, like, insane meta joke. Uh, that's also possible. But to be honest, knowing what I know about Steve Byrne's comedy, probably not. Hey, <laughs> I don't mean to be harsh about another Asian performer, but uh, I don't know. I. I don't think. I don't think he's hip to that kind of like. Uh, you know, Ali, Sasha Baron Cohen style, the five layers deep kind of uh, discussion. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he's cooler than I think he is. Ooh. You got to be cool to be so meta. You, you got to be cool to be in magic. I think that's one thing that. That's, oh, yeah. yeah you got to be cool. <laughs> got to be cool to be <laughs> in magic. Got to be cool. I mean, and not only that, doing magic makes you cool. I think that's been proven. What do you guys. I mean, this is something I'm interested in, right? Uh, I, who do you have you ever talked to anybody who's like I hate magic I don't like watching magic you know not in LA not often um, I, I don't get that a whole lot uh-huh. or people are just polite about it um, I think the closest I get to that is just like generally low success on a dating app um, <laughs> when they find out you're a magician well it's just like it's one of those things because it is so relevant to my life I feel like it would be disingenuous like it's, it's important enough of a, it's a big enough of a deal breaker that it needs to be on the profile. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've always wondered, like, I wonder if this is a positive. Today I was swiping, and one of the things, uh, there was a prompt on a dating app 
and it said, uh, I'm weirdly attracted to, and this girl wrote, magicians, lol, not kidding. Not uh, kidding? Not kidding. <laughs> and then so I, my, you, you like send little messages when you send a like. So my, you're on Hinge? Uh, yes, it's yeah, Hinge. Yeah, okay. Um, How did you know that was Hinge? Because I was on all the dating apps. Yeah. And Hinge. I, personally, I always had the best luck with, it's the only one I'm on currently. I deleted all of them a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, I felt Hinge was the best one because I, you could give a little bit of your own personality. Right. You're, it, you're, right? It's the one, you're, you're the only one where your personality really can come through if you want to. You know, John and I, we're, we're both. You know, I wouldn't say we're both like lookers, so we got to lead with the personality, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, we got to we got to get the personality out. What? There. Just real quick, what is? Why is it called Hinge? Uh, I actually it, call bullshit on the name, but go ahead. Uh, I think it was because it was that you could open a door to someone you who you were in a network with on Facebook when they started. Right. It was initially like it was always going to ma- show you someone or, um, that was a mutual friend on Facebook. So like, and that person was the hinge to, that got you from there. Yes. yes. I've never, I didn't even know that because that's not what the app is. Currently. It's not what it is anymore. It is just any dating app, just with a slightly different format as far yeah. as, as the profiles you're looking at. You can pick six pictures uh-huh. uh, and you get to leave a caption on all of them, six pictures or videos or 30 second videos. Uh, and you can leave three, you can answer three questions uh, that the app has for you. Is There's like 40 questions. Yes. Oh, and that's what this I'm weirdly attracted to. I'm really attracted to, to was, a, was a prompt. Yes. And so my, so you can, uh, when you send a like, you can also send a message of a certain number of characters. And then instead of just sending a like, you pick one of those photos or one of those answers yeah. to specifically like, and then you can attach a message to it should you want. So of course I picked that one. And the message I, I, I wrote was, what a coincidence, I'm attracted to girls who are attracted to magicians. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to not hearing back from that person. <laughs> is, is that a uh, is that also a, uh, a like a, a choice thing? Uh, you know, like uh, I'm attracted to girls who are attracted to magicians. You just said that because she said that, right? Right, and that's what you wanted to hear. That's the same move as uh, we were just talking about. What's that called again? You, uh, you had a word for equivocate it. Equivocate is the term. Equivocate. It's also just commonly referred to as magician's choice. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. And so her magician's choice is magician, and your magician's choice is people who like magicians <laughs> right. Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, but yeah so wait that, hang on why isn't there a dating app called magician's choice uh, I, I have heard the idea of like a magician's only dating site uh or okay. like the app, both of those are terrible the ideas. app disappears <laughs> <laughs> right uh the app, yeah <laughs> oh, she ghosted on me um, <laughs> uh i mean i would it, it, it would be like any of those those things that pop up online they're like just you know, send a message to have sex with this woman. I'm like, it's just a million guys and and four women, right? Uh, you know, right. Um, it would be like this is like what those uh, club hedonism things are, right? It's like, uh, you know, that have you heard of that? It's like club a club hedonism. Yes, it's like a club med, but you go. And oh, <laughs> but but it's a real place, and like you can be naked, and the girls are naked, and I think that like it's they have to hire a lot of women to like work at these places. And then there's a lot of guys that just go on their own dime. I remember uh, the workaholics episode hedonism Two, where they're going to hedonism Two, uh, but they end up, you know, not being able to go because they're the workaholics. Right. But But yeah, I've never run in, I haven't run into someone recently that has just said like, no, I hate magic. Don't talk to me. So, so, but they they do exist. They're the closest I came to it was when I was in Edinburgh this year. Yeah, we're handing out flyers. My stage manager, who is also handing out flyers, um, she I 
I think people were nicer to me because my face was on the flyer, and so no one's going to tell me to fuck off, but you'll tell someone to fuck off if their face isn't on the flyer, and as right. far as they know, she was just, like, paid to do it, because you'll pay, you often hire teenagers just to, like, hand out flyers. Yeah. As far as we know, she's a 15-year-old teenager. She, she's not 15. Uh, it's, like, it's a person just handing out flyers, and so at one point she comes back, and some people were, like, rude to her, but there was one that was always stuck with me because I really wish I could have talked to this person, where this person said, um, she goes, I'll be honest with you. I do not like magic. She goes, I have nothing against him, nothing against it. I, I hope he does well. I hope he sells at every single show. I am not going to go to it. And um, and what's interesting is that, like, in those cases, the magic they are talking about, I also hate. Like, I right. I hate magic more than that person does, I would say. And more specifically. Right. <laughs> I, I, like, and I think anytime you take like, a niche art of any kind and someone goes, oh, I hate it. They, I, I think the what you're really hearing is, no, you've just seen bad stuff because there's a lot of bad stuff, right? Uh, and and I, I talk about this with magic all the time. I talked about it in my, my fringe show um, that because it's a fringe art and because it's a niche art, it rep- when the one time you see it, it kind of represents all of it, right? Yeah. So uh, no one walks out of a comedy show and says, well, I hate comedy now. And no one walks out of a movie and goes, I don't like, I must not like movies. And no one likes, walks out of a concert saying, I hate music. But with magic, and I would imagine with mime, or quite honestly, improv. Uh, oh, um, for sure, for improv. I, I once actually, um, have you done improv? Are you an improv person? Okay. Yes. So then I have a question about the tie-in here and that I'm, I've always been curious about. But I, I really wish I could, I could have been there to talk to that person. And so I could, like, start a dialogue with her and ask her why and talk to her and, like, and, and um, because I, I think we we hate the the thing she doesn't want to see is the stuff that I hate, and so yeah, um, yeah, I think that's that's the closest I've gotten in recent years. It, it, I mean, because I, I think something that people always talk about is like magicians aren't cool, right? Right, like, and and many of them aren't. And that's the thing. <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> but I I mean I don't I don't I don't get this like. Uh, this vibe from people that they're like, I, I think magic is not cool. Everybody wants to go to the magic castle. Everybody right. wants to see a magician. Everybody wants to see a show. I I think that like this label is outdated in my mind. Like I don't think magicians are uncool. Oh, I think I agree. And I think, uh, I think that's where, in my opinion, the biggest uh, cultural impact from like a show like Penn and Teller Fool Us is is that you have a lot of real working professionals um, that are talented going on the show and sort of setting a reputation. Right? There's not too many corny, full on corny magicians right. on that show. Uh, I, I wonder if part of it's being in the Los Angeles bubble. Yeah, because I think actually in LA, magic is pretty well regarded. Um, it, like, not that I've done table hopping or working in restaurants or anything, but anytime, like, I have even shown magic to just like, you know, I, I haven't done it to like an Uber or Lyft driver, but like, I've shown it to like random people sometimes or like on set with somebody that I don't really know. And I've never felt like scared to do it because I'm mm-hmm. always like, they'll probably be interested. Right. Like, I've never felt that pushback. But also, I think uh, there's a similar bubble for improv. Like, I think in. LA and New York and probably Chicago, like improv is like, oh, it's cool. But I think outs, there are other air parts of the country where it is seen as that bad version of like, oh, I don't want to come see your, you know. Right. Especially if it's maybe even a different form of improv. Yeah. Um, and I will say also, I think there was a time when stand ups did have that, that uh, did have a little bit of a global 
uh, view of like what they were. There were, there were people that I, said like I don't like stand up comedy. When you say that, what I picture is like eighties style yeah. Seinfeld knockoffs with a with a, a you know an eighties blazer rolled up to your sleeves. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I hate dweebs like that. I'm only into Andrew Dice Clay. Right. <laughs> that's all I care. Well, about. Well, that's what I think. Maybe there was maybe there was a time when stand up was sort of in the same place where magic is now. Right. And so before you knew that like Tig Notaro and Maria Bamford and Julio Torres, that it was all under the umbrella of stand up when you just thought it was a bunch of guys that kind of looked the same and were all sort of like East Coast ball busting dudes. Yeah. Maybe magic has a, is a similar thing of like some people still have a perception that it's I mean, some people have still have a perception that it's like a guy in a tux with a top hat and a rabbit comes out of it. Right. Like that's clearly people that haven't seen it recently. Of course. But it's weird that that's still kind of like a thing. Well, it is weird that you guys dress up in tuxedos we do for and this, top hats for, for this podcast. podcast. Yeah. podcast. Well, yeah. But it's more for just acoustics. Okay. Yeah. Because the that's rabbit fair. inside the hat is a good sound deadener. That's mm-hmm. fair. So, uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of harsh sounds off the walls if you're not, not careful. Right. Um, wait, real quick. In in California now, like you can't use birds. Is that a thing? I, I don't know the rules, um, but there's some law about like yeah, there was some maybe I think bird uh, like virus or something, and there's something about the usage of birds now in performance that is limited. Or, okay. I, I, I don't know the specifics. I bring so. it up, Casey, because one of my favorite magicians has a bird finale to his thing, and it, that didn't happen anymore. Right, he hasn't done in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, well, the, 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 I'd be curious to ask you as a couple things about improv and the way it connects to magic. And the first one is I had a conversation like that with a friend of mine who had been taking classes at UCB and he had known me since high school. And so he knew magic a little bit. And we were talking about, I said, yeah, magic is this thing whereby, um, you know, people see it once and then that becomes their judgment of how they think about this thing. And if they liked it, then they think it's great. And if they hated it, then they just think it's shitty no matter what. And and unfortunately that applies kind of any skill level, you know, some weirdo at a party shows you one shitty card trick. That is magic, right? Um, you, you, that is what you think the magic castle is full of. Uh, so what I was saying with improv, I go, I bet, you know, you have your family in from the Midwest. They've never seen an improv show before. You take them on to like a, some random, you know, Herald show and this team like sucks and they, you know, walk out thinking improv is bad. Uh, it probably suffers from a very, very similar thing. And he actually kind of didn't totally agree because he was saying that, and I'm curious to hear if you agree or disagree with this. He was um, he knows magic enough to know there's a couple very 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 different kind of styles, right? You have close up card magic that can be at any higher level, and then you can go to Vegas and you see David Copperfield, or you can go to on Broadway and see Darren Brown doing like mentalism. Uh, and there's even a style of magic that I love called manipulation that can be very artistic and cool. That happens because it's mostly in Asia, like Japan and Korea. Um, that is very it's completely different. Um, and he was saying, like, there are these types of disciplines are all different enough from each other that you could hate this kind of magic, but like this kind of magic. Like, I do know a lot of people that at the idea of mentalism, they just think is boring, uh, which, again, is a very generalized, gen, gen, uh, a huge generalization. But they think that um, and using you could take someone who hates a card magic show and bring them to a stage delusion show. And maybe they'd have a lot of fun. Yeah. Because I feel like if, if somebody didn't like an improv show, there's while they're like one improv show is closer to the overall format of what other different kinds of improv shows are going to be like that. I don't know that, that um, you could really take someone to like, now let's go to this improv show and and you'll like it. Hmm. I mean, I I feel like I disagree because I see a lot of different kinds of improv. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, There's, I guess the question is the differences in types of improv that you see. Um, 
is it your experience and knowledge of these things that give you the ability to tell the new uh, the nuanced difference between between them that like maybe just like an average person could not? I, I mean, yeah, definitely. I'm going to be able to pick out the differences, but some of the differences of are big. Like yes. if someone's doing improvised, you know, Shakespeare. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. there's like there. I mean, really, I like I'm at the point now where I can kind of tell where somebody studied by just watching the right. play. Sure, you know, like uh, that's that. the that's the the level of improv that I am like, like uh, that's how much improv I've yeah. seen. And <laughs> if if it's a school that Casey disagrees with, he boos. <laughs> I boo. I boo loudly. Uh, I wear, I take out my UCB shirt, yeah, uh, and then I chant uh, "Go Brigade," yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, then I get kicked out for having too many beers. Right, uh, yeah. and, and then outside you burn an effigy of Del Close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I can't stand that Del Close character. They should have signed somebody else. Um, I think also to the degree that that your friend is right, I, I understand what he's saying because there is a sameness. Um, I think he's basically saying, like, if I take you to a, a, a Herald show, and I'm not entirely, and I don't even really know what Herald means. I couldn't really define it. I know it's a structure of a type of way of doing a particular scene. I just yeah. don't know exactly what it is. He's like, if you, if I were to take someone to a Herald show, and they go, oh, I hated that. Improv is stupid. Like, taking them to a musical improv show isn't going to turn up the, uh, on their heads. Well, you know. maybe they're just not I, going to the right show. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, it's, I, it's, a lot of it is dependent on what, person you see doing improv right yeah. and, 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 and that's what's... every person does improv in such a different way where each stylistic choice that each person makes is going to be different from a stylistic choice that someone else makes i yeah. also wonder too with improv and again this is where my knowledge of improv is, is very low but like you see a magician who's going to be doing the same act all the time so does be you know practice like to, to what to what um degree can you sort of strengthen the improv muscle? Of course you can get better improv the more you do it. But my question is like, what are the odds you can still see some, so we were just talking earlier about Thomas Middleditch and how a lot of people seem to agree that he's like a brilliant improviser. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you've said that many times. Chris. Yes. He's very, very funny. All right. So you see, a, like, I feel like over time, um, uh, watching a, a top level comedian bomb versus watching a top-level comedian, a uh, magician bomb, is, is going to be one type of bombing because they do all the same things all the time. But what is it like to see Thomas Middleditch, like Thomas Middleditch bomb? Is that, is that the kind of thing that can happen? I mean, could somebody go on a bad night and not just yeah. see him have like a weird off night, but actually generally not be funny? Well, Ooh, I don't know about that. So he, like, here's the interesting thing about bombing and improv, right? It's way different than it is to bomb as a magician or it is to bomb as a stand-up, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. Right? It's so hard to bomb because the audience is in it with you. Right. Because they are watching you create something on the fly. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why you can record stand-up and you can record magic and watch it later. Right? The the performance is still strong. A lot of improv, you kind of have to be there for... Right. It. Yes, because people mistake that, and I actually kind of think that the UCB kind of mistakes this. Yeah, absolutely. Because the UCB sees um, improv as kind of like riding on your feet. Yeah. Uh, as a thing, so that like... There occasionally people will be like, "Well, we should just like write these things down. Like they're so funny. If we wrote them down, they'd be, make great sketches." But the thing that you're actually offering as a performer in an improv show is the process of creating it is the thing that you're watching, yeah. not the actual scene. Right. I, 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 for what it's worth, uh, in I, I, my, all my best jokes as a performer 
have been improvised usually like I'll, and of course I'll done I'll do this trick 30 times and on the 31st time I'll notice something I'll uh, you know yeah. like I, there's a routine I've been doing for 2 years with a blindfold that you've seen many many times and just the other day I came up with a joke for a thing that I've done 150 times Oh I what go, was that? Um it's a it's it's a joke it's a better joke after I touch this person's pulse and uh-huh. I move on to the next thing and explain why What did you why used I'm, to say? I used to do a joke where I would and it I couldn't figure out the problem was I couldn't diagnose why or why it did why it did or did not get a laugh because it would get a laugh 60% of the time, I'd have to keep it in, but 40% of the time, it would kind of get like nothing. I couldn't quite figure out if it was timing or whatever, but the joke was I have this blindfold on. Uh, and I, and I think I, I've seen you do this trick. Okay, I think I remember. Yeah, yeah, you have for sure. Yeah, so um, I do it most places where I can or can't do it. John can't stop doing it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, he walks into CVS and he's like, uh, put, uh, put this on. Yeah. Can you see through this? So I put my finger on someone's wrist um, and I, I'm telling them that I'm feeling their pulse. And I'm going to go, I'm, I'm wearing a blindfold. I'm, I'm going through all the cards one at a time. And I go, when you see your card, don't say anything, but you'll recognize it. And then that'll send a signal down to your pulse, which I'll feel. And I kind of make this silly motion and it gets a laugh. And that's always, that's reliable. And then I do, and I go through the cards and I tell them what their card was. That gets um, a reaction. And then I have to move on to this next person. And the whole point is that I just went through this person's cards one at a time, face up. Um, and while I am blindfolded, now sort of the way I'm going to escalate the next uh, part of the trick for the next reveal of the card is I'm not going to go through those cards. In fact, I'm not even going to touch, like, hold them at all. So that person can still, you know, that person maybe walked up, cuffed the cards, and I've never come near them. I've never touched those cards. So it's just sort of building upon the impossibility in some degree. So what I used to say was, out of curiosity, um, how many people believed me when I said that whole pulse thing, show of hands? And then after a couple seconds, I'll go, okay, that was a poor choice of words. And, the, you know that whole show of hands thing. And that was improvised. And over time, I just couldn't, sometimes it got a laugh, sometimes it didn't. And so what I eventually, what I've been doing now for about a week, about two weeks, and I've been doing this routine for almost three years now, was uh, I did that and, I, and it just clicked on me in the middle of the show. So I went, oh, this is better. And so I, I let go of that person. And for the third person, I go, um, you know, let's say it's like, his name's Kevin. I'll go, now Kevin, I, the thing about the pulse thing is that's not magic. That's just pure science. Uh, and then, you know, but so of course we have to, uh, and, and, that, and that's gotten a better laugh. Um, I like that. But anyway, what, what I was, what, to your point about like what people miss about putting improv jokes into like a sketch was uh, I, I have noticed there are a lot of jokes that in the right moment will feel perfect and they'll kill. And I'll go, that was a great joke at this moment. Awesome. So what I'll do is I'll kind of manufacture whatever it was that to led get, to that uh, joke. And then I'll do the joke, and now instead of like, because it killed because it was this wonderful moment where I'm present with the audience and I'm listening to them and it's this great moment, and now it's turned into me doing an impression of what that was like yesterday. Uh-huh. And people feel it. Turning the audience into your unwilling patsies. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a more cynical way of putting it, but yes. You know what work, your joke works great? Is if someone's told to cut half the cards and they cut. Oh, god damn. <laughs> that was so fun. Chris saw my show twice last week at the yeah. Magic Castle, and on the one night, like on a Thursday, someone did something uh, weird and he like, Well, they like joke. Cut, cut, cut about half these cards off. And he cut like 90% of the cards off. Right. And I was like, why don't you. Then, having just seen Marriage Story, <laughs> I was like, what if you made a joke? Oh, actually, I asked you, like, is this a joke in the canon? And, and and to be fair, I'm still not positive it's not, but it's I don't. It occurred to me for him to say, like, well, if you think that uh, if you think that's half, like, what are you, a divorce lawyer or something? <laughs> and you did it on somebody did it again then, on Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday, it was, uh, uh, there was someone with a language barrier um, who's French, and he did it again, and I made the joke, and it killed. And I watched Chris like do a fist pump. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did one. Teamwork makes the dream work, man. Yeah. Um, uh, what I was going to say about the that to the extent that your friend is right that there is a sameness to the shows, I think is also potentially reflective of 
that it's not about improv in general, but there still is a, um, a core that doesn't have as much diversity as we would want in terms of there are a lot there improv is still a lot driven by 20 to 30 year olds and what they think is funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, mostly, I mean, I bet the general populace of improv performers still skews a little affluent Yeah, because you have to have paid for five or six uh, now, like four hundred dollar classes, or almost like two five hundred dollar yeah. classes. They're so, almost five hundred dollars. So, I think the I have always felt like that there is a there's a strain of what the humor is that is from a specific demographic that in improv gets presented as like this is what everybody thinks is funny, but it's not quite right, you know. And also that's why when you go to the Dale Close Marathon, which is this big, uh, what three day long improv marathon, like one of the shows that would kill in New York was, um, oh, what was it called? It was called like the pimps show or whatever. And it was like four or five African-American improvisers doing these very outlandish kind of stereotypical pimp characters with big hats and stuff. And and it was just, it was those characters doing an improv show. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was a, it was a kind of humor that, nobody that was an eight person group of like white college kids could have done. Yeah. And because they, they weren't really playing those characters. Like there was an irony to the way they were playing it, but it was just so funny. And also just that felt underrepresented. So that would be a case where like, like, so I wonder how much of it is also that like, if you see an improv show, you don't like, then you go see another one. That's also building off this core of like 23 year olds, you know, people that want to write for whatever you know you know what i mean right. so now i mean my takeaway from this is that white pimps aren't funny yeah right that's just um, that's just a fact yeah that's, that's just, just a, that's just something. that's like no no jokes there i mean just something for amnesty international look yeah. at <laughs> real real gross now uh in magic there i mean there's definitely still a i actually wonder in magic how much it can grow as the base of performers gets more diverse just in age, uh, gender, gender, age and gender, particularly. We mm-hmm. got enough Asians in magic already. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it, I mean, you really are seeing like a new generation that's doing things kind of differently. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, I, I am sort of noticing like with, you know, you don't notice it until it's a bigger shift that I'm like, oh, I'll walk through the castle and go, oh, I'm like part of a new generation yeah. of magicians that is doing something as right. There's one performer that is very like 80s, 70s New York that we've seen in the, in the magic castle. Um, that, that's a totally, that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, you, you've been part of the castle for a long time now. Yes. Um, but I will say, I mean, I, I would argue that of 10 of those years, when you're a junior, I mean, the the biggest thing now that I the, the only advice I would give to a teenager starting magic is uh, um, quit. Uh, <laughs> no, I, Kill I say, your idols. Right. I, I would say that, like, I, I didn't know my own voice or who I was until I was 22 or 23. And I would say I still probably don't. And when I'm when, in five years, I'm going to look back at my 25-year-old self now and go, oh, well, he, was, he didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say that the thing about magic is like comedy is comedy is 
all about who you are and your perspective and your point of view. I would say I would imagine improv to some degree is still being funneled through your idea of your personality. You know. Oh, I actually think a, a lot of per- performers underestimate how much it should be about them. Right. Um, because I, I remember uh, I was already a teacher at my improv theater in New York, and uh, I would just I will compliment my former self on this. There was a point where I emailed all the other teachers. Um, like I was a faculty member and I was well-established. I was on a house team and everything. And I emailed them and said like, Hey, what do you think I should work on? And they all sent me like the, most of them sent me like pretty thoughtful things. And one, I think one or two people said was that they didn't feel like they got to know me very much when they saw me do improv. Right. And I think that is, there's a truth to that. Like, even though it's all about crazy characters and stuff like that, like it is fun to be, get a sense of like, oh, I, I have a sense of what their vibe is like off stage as well. Oh yeah, and and I feel like I'm um, not to pat myself on the back, but I I think yes, that, you definitely have that. I, yeah, I, I don't think anyone can walk out of like a full like a twenty minute show of mine and 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 not get that sort of sense. Yeah. Um. But the thing is, that's I feel like that will always come later to people in a field where that is. Um, in, uh, inherently at- detached from the trick you're doing. And people come to see the trick you're doing. And then, you, you know, when you're 17 and you don't have an idea for your voice and your medium is visual and interesting and flashy, um, that will get the response no matter what you just said or did. Yeah. So it's going to always sort of um, hinder your ability. It's going to take you longer to fi- figure that out. Yeah, it's also tough because 17-year-olds in general don't know who they are. Right. And also... Be, be in, in the vacuum of knowing who you are, magic provides this uh, proxy character that is present in a lot of the scripts. Yes. Of like, well, you're this wisecracking dude. Right. And here's the jokes that a, that guy says. Mm-hmm. And it is a guy. Right. You know, like, because um, I can think of actually a lot of the juniors that I've seen who have that, like, are you 50 years old? Like, why right. are you making these jokes? <laughs> um, but yeah, I... Do you think that they – so wait, what was your advice to the juniors? <laughs> I, I would say that like if someone were to ask me kind of my advice, I would say like uh, above all else – I mean you can find a good trick anywhere in any book and any DVD. You just just really, really, really go out of your way to kind of figure out who you are and what your voice is. So like just every time you see a movie or something, when you say, oh, I like that movie or didn't like that movie, really start asking yourself why. Really like start really, really scrutinizing you and your own interests – um, as as any kind of way to you know, why do I why did I hate Star Wars you know Star Wars or something like that or why do I love um, John didn't hate Star Wars no That's I like I, I I did like Star Wars that Casey was a, hasn't seen it yet so we're not right. giving it um, but like you know why do I love Iron like for instance growing up I always thought like Captain America is boring in these movies still kind of do and Tony Stark was like the best you mean in the current movies yeah <laughs> it's, it's just funny that you said growing up <laughs> um i know i'm sorry i was ten, I mean, 10th grade I, yeah, yeah. I was i was in eighth grade when iron man came out that was 2008 but uh I'm is sorry. that is is iron man the inspiration for the goatee um no the inspiration for the goatee was like i hadn't shaved in a couple days and i was like i can grow a goatee again and so i shaved and then about 10 days into having it it took one female friend to go no it looks really good <laughs> and then uh. now <laughs> Um, but I mean, to this day, I still struggle with like identity and stuff all the time. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm constantly asking what other people think of this. And I, to this day, if you ask me what I thought of it, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like if I look better with or without this goatee, goatee, I've had it since about May. I still don't know. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's so interesting. Everybody has their own kind of like things they do with their facial hair. Like right. I'm a beard guy. I've been a beard guy mm-hmm. for 15 years now. Like I, I need, like I, I went through a breakup and I was like, 
I'm I'm not shaving. I'm just gonna like oh deal with it because uh, my my girlfriend at the time hated when I had any sort of like stubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when was this? This is in college. Okay, this yeah. wasn't the most. This is fifteen this, years okay. ago. Uh, and so I like I started. You're like much young, younger than a kind of person that would go have gone to college. I just years turned thirty three. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would put you about twenty six, twenty seven. Wow. When did I go to college? A long time. A ago. Long time ago. Uh, twenty five years ago. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I I I was like. I'm growing a beard and then I like grew a beard and I shaved my head and I was like, this is my new cool look now. And then I just kept the beard and it's just so much easier than ever. Like I haven't bought a razor in like 10 years. It's crazy. Uh, I'm glad you looked at your watch for that. (laughs) Yeah. This watch that I definitely have. (laughs) That's a magic trick right there. Oh, that's magic. Um, (laughs) That's a thing. Taking, uh, take, stealing your watch off your own wrist. Yeah. And I put it on somebody else's wrist. Oh my God. Uh, but, that, but that is a thing confidently looking at a thing that doesn't exist yeah uh, there's a story about like now granted this is commonplace because of, of this story uh, not just this story but now it's a common method and so it's harder to fool uh, somebody with it but the idea is like there's this famous magician named Di Vernon from the 20th century who was kind of like the number one person of the 20th century and there's a story that like he you know a got rid of a quarter, ditched a quarter is the term. And then he just pretended he was holding it and he was like describing all these, he's like, all right, it's 1927 uh, uh, quarter. It's a little, little dusty on that side. And he's like polishing it out. And he's just kind of like passing nothing between his hands. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then he's like, all right, watch really carefully. And then he would do the vanish. And then like these magicians apparently were like, that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen <laughs> just because they believed that he had it. And so th- at that point when he decides to vanish it, there's nowhere it could have, nothing it could have done with it because it was just like right there. There was no move or anything. Yeah. It's like, and now it's gone. Ooh! Um, so you just stumbled into another real magic. Uh, wow. Casey, pick a card from this deck. Christ, uh, are you saying Christ? <laughs> I'm actually trying something. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just excited. Look at it and uh, memorize it. I haven't memorized. Okay, can you put it back in the deck? Can I yes, see? I can. Oh, got it. Back in the deck. Uh, on the top. Oh, see, I was trying to bluff pass. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I mean, from here it looked good. From that angle. Uh, th- I'm just saying because it seems relevant to what you were just. Deciding. I mean, I, I just like I could have put it anywhere in the deck, but you only oh, offered a, me. Oh, the top. oh, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I phrased it wrong. Oh, so maybe it did work. Maybe it did work. That's funny. So maybe, just, I was trying a thing called bluff pass, where like let, let's start over again. I'll pretend like I don't know. Okay, what you're take a card. Okay, and uh, memorize that card. It's the same card, right? And then what do I say? Put it back here. Yeah, just put it here. Yeah, put it here. Okay, so then I'm like, the card is somewhere in the deck. Right. Where do you think the card is in the deck right now? Right now, I think it's on the top. Yeah, so it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I literally I just put it on the top. Oh, I, I you guess... Haven't chi- you haven't I shuffled guess it then I could, uh, but I could... No, but now he is... Now he is... It didn't work the, because yeah. he... So the point is, this is supposed to look like I have half the deck. And then I'm supposed to hold it at an angle. And also, it's a little high. I think if I'm like this, it's better. Right, man. Yes, yes. I'm Not sure. that I can But you had nothing in your other hand. Oh, right. So, like, so I say pick a card. Uh, perfect. Oh. All right, great. I'll put it back. Okay, so you've okay. got... He, but see, here's the thing. Right. Is he had one card in his hand. So it looked like he, he was putting it in so the middle. So did he. It no, was I at an too. angle where you couldn't see it. It must have been blocked had, by I'd, his I'd, hand. Oh, I see. I wasn't... Sh- I was doing this. I should have been more... More. Yeah, I, I just couldn't see that yeah, you were so holding that other card. Right. So, so basically... You hold one card and you think you're putting it in the middle, but you're actually putting it second from the top. The yes. other secret, Chris, is you can try is when you put these cards back, you grab from the middle and look like you're dribbling ah, the rest of the cards. That's a good one. I mean, um, this is not something I... 
I don't know what you right. use it for, but it's just the thing I saw. And also, uh, in terms of like talking about something that doesn't exist, the other thing that I've uh, the other version I saw was a person did it with nothing in their hand. Oh yeah, that also does exist. So they just like <laughs> just went like that. Right. So um, before we started talking, you did mention something about uh, watching a lot of Penn and Teller Fool Us. I do. Uh, I watch it on YouTube because there is no show that is more easily processed on YouTube. Oh, absolutely. Than I only Penn watch it on YouTube. Also, Fool-less. I will just say that what a gigantic missed opportunity for. Uh, is it the CW? Is that what it's Yeah, called? it's the CW. To not have an official Penn and Teller YouTube channel. Right. Because every right. single vision video you've ever watched of Penn and Teller has 100,000 views. But has been on the magician's own channel. Like, or, or just or, that or guy. Or like the Card guy. Shark 59 yeah. or whatever. Oh, exactly. who's this? There's just some fucking guy. It's like, what, honestly, I mean, I've, I know a lot of magicians who have been on the show, and uh, I'm doing a show with one of them tomorrow. Um, and uh, Wait, has Shoot never been on the show? He has not. Oh. Um, and so, uh, a lot of them have like right before their clips, like they know they, you're given like a week notice when your episode airs, and uh, several of them have been like, you have to race to get that clip on before this guy like oh, torrents it and puts does. it on because whoever gets it up first and puts it like you know, Simon Cornell, fools, Penn and Teller gets the bulk of the um, views. gets the bulk of the views. You like uh, he's like you gotta gotta race this fucking guy. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. Well, that's like uh, not to talk about our podcast, our other podcast, but like. Same thing with highlights. Highlights of the NBA will show up on Reddit on streamable. Sometimes sometimes people will be like, I just saw this. Like like or it'll almost it feels to them like it's on streamable online before they've even seen it on their TV. Yeah. Um what are some uh Yeah, so when I say what I say Penn and Teller, what like what comes to mind? Like if, if someone were to say Tell me about something you saw on Penn and Teller. Even if, like, what is the first thing? Is it a positive thing? Is it a negative thing? It's the uh, it's very positive. I love Penn and Teller. Mm-hmm. I think they're great. Uh, Best it, in the world. My, my favorite uh, trick of theirs is the nail gun trick. Brilliant piece. Yeah. Uh, just you know the uh, the danger you feel when there is a nail gun uh, right. is just so palpable in the freaking room. Mm. Uh, uh, have you seen them live? I have not seen them okay. live. Uh, that's definitely something I want to do. Sure. Um, well, uh, you know, it's, oh, it's funny, um, and, and we've talked about this on the uh, the, the show. Um, I don't know if you even know this is happening. Are you aware that Teller is not in the show currently because of a surgery? No. So Teller, uh, over the last couple of years, I believe, and now in eighteen months, he's had uh, three back surgeries. Because oh. uh, I think he's in his early seventies. He is. Um, yeah. And uh, no, he doesn't look that old. No, they both look great. Mm. Um, uh, and Penn's in his mid. I think he's about five years younger. So he's in his mid to late sixties. Wow. I think. I think anyway, he's like 10 years younger. Oh, he might be. It might, yeah. it might be. Yeah. I know there's a pretty big age difference between Wait, them. Wait, how old was Johnny Thompson? Uh, 80s. The, the idea that 80s. like Teller is only like 10 or 15 years younger than Johnny Thompson right. is crazy to me. Um, I don't think like, they kind of one of the things they've never like smoked or drank or, you know, they've uh-huh. had pretty clean lives as far as that. Anyway, do you, so. I know Pe- something he's smoked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that a Teller gay joke? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, are you aware of that? So, Penn is doing a Penn and Friends show right now. No, you know, I didn't. Do you know the two people on the three people that are going to be cycled in and out of that show? Mm-mm. It's Matt King, okay, Piff the Magic Dragon, uh-huh. and fucking Matt Donnelly. Hey, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. So, like, they just did the first. Are they the other rotating, day. or is it like all three do? I think they're rotating. The other day it was Mac and Matt on the show, and they posted like that was like the first one. Um, I don't know. I, I imagine just pursuant to their schedules, it'll always be like one or two of them. I. Cool. I really don't know what their schedule is, but what do you guys think about that magic dragon guy? That uh, is Piff. That's Piff the Ma- That's the third guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you guys think about? I him? like him. 
Um, you know what's funny is uh, and actually, I, I have not seen his Vegas show. He's in the Flamingo, I think. Um, he has a show in Vegas and he tours a lot. And I remember when he when he came on Fool Us, I was like, "This is fun," because uh, that was that was his first break. That was this cool performance on Fool Us. I'm like, "This is really cool." Um, yeah, I'm into it. He's funny and cool, and the trick was decent, and I like this guy. All right, and then he goes on America's Got, Got Talent, and uh, and I think you know, like ev- anything, does a movie or a politician, or anyone that goes from like small, like oh, he, this is a cool guy, to you know, to giant main stage success. To get a lot more scrutiny. So as I'm watching him do like four or is five, that, this is like the Pete Buttigieg story. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh God, I just man, I, the, the amount of friends that immediately give me shit the moment I say Pete. The, the, the amount of times the word corporate money is shouted yes, at me. Yes, the me moment too. I tell a friend that I like Pete Buttigieg. What about like, like military? Do people ever uh, like? bring up Pete Buttigieg's military experience as a negative? Um, as a I've, negative? Oh, no. I, I've heard it said from, like, conservatives who are basically like, he didn't even do shit in the military. Oh. You know, that's why you always see he's, she, he keeps his mouth shut and he's like, to Tulsi Gabbard, she's fucking sir. I'm like, I, you know, shit like that. But anyway. Uh, um, so anyway, uh, Piff sort of went right, from, so, like, a, So he goes, like, and I'm like, oh, and I, I, my own bias is this kind of happened to me, is he goes from this nothing to this, uh, like, AGT. He's doing four or five performances, and then I kind of go, like, I mean, it's you know, you put on a dragon suit and it kind of works and that's fun. But like, all right, what's the what are we what are we doing here? And like, the tricks were all like pretty good, uh, but I, I wasn't just blown away. And so I was kind of like, yeah, he's fine. And then he gets this huge success. And I'm like, I, I get why people like him. I just don't know that I'd care to watch him for an hour. However, I've now had several people, high level respected people that I know and trust a lot, come back from his Vegas show. And go, no, it's fucking good. He th- there is good stuff in there. He works really hard at making original, interesting. The stuff is funny. You get to know that character. Right. Um, it's like it's it's very like progressive in the way it deals with like the assistant trope, um, which is funny because on the Penn and Teller Masterclass, if you watch that, he's on an episode and there's like this you know gig- there's like this busty assistant next to him that never says anything, and I'm like this is fucking gross. But apparently she is a character in their show that is uh-huh. very well you know crafted. It, it's gotten like stellar reviews from people that would would. They'd tell you if it was bullshit. Yeah, would, that would know that it were, you know, if it were bullshit uh, or not. That's great, because I, I had a real negative reaction when I watched him the first time, and I wanted to know what you guys thought, because I, I like it wasn't so negative that I was like, I hate this guy. I hate magic. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I extrapolate this one guy to be yeah. all of magic. But right. I, like, I, I want to know, you know from people who uh, appreciate uh, magic, like what they see in him, and and it's good to know that like he puts on a good show, and it's. I also good just right here. I, I also just like that he's trying. Just, I mean, it might just because like, you know, any source of water in the desert is appealing, but yeah. like just any attempt to try some different tone is appreciated. Yeah. So by I, me. you know, even at its highest, I wasn't like complaining about him. I if someone if someone on the street said like, "What do you think of him?" I wasn't gonna be like, "He sucks." It just it just like I just there was a hype that I didn't totally get. And of course, I mean, you get this ten times as much in, in comedy, a um, hundred times as much as comedy. But it's like, man, I, I just I know like five different people that should be getting this attention right now that aren't. You know, this is probably true in all fields, but in magic, there does feel to me that there is a the further the the more s- steps away from you the person is, the more you criticize them. Oh, sure. Because then, like, and so it's probably true for everything, but but also there's just a lot of things where it's like people might be harsh about Shin Lim or him or, you know, somebody else. But then like their, their closest buddy in magic is like doing horrible stuff. in their right. act. And he's like, yeah, he's a good guy. You know, like, you know, right. 
Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of bullshit in that regard. But like, do you think? I mean, that in, do either of you think that in comedy or in movies, you know, or, or in acting or Hollywood or anything like that, do you think there's some element of an understood kind of like lottery, like? Because I, I think in magic there are, we're just talking about steps. I think there are less steps from nobody to successful. I mean, it, if I worked really hard, and well, we we'll just leave it there because I'm not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> like, it wouldn't be impossible for me to be on Foolus. Exactly. Like, uh, so like, and that's crazy considering to, I only really started doing the it. Steps like a to year, a successful you know. career in magic and whatever you want that to be, I feel are less than in comedy or acting or theater or music. Uh, so I feel I, I wonder if in comedy, like, yeah, you're you know, there's ten people in an improv group. One of them turns out to be Michelle Wolf. One of them turns out to be you know Thomas Middleditch or whatever. Yeah. I like is there that same like this is bullshit or or is it. Is there some part of you that just goes like, "Yeah, it's fucking lightning strikes anyway," you know? I don't know, Casey. What do you think? Is there do you, do you, is there ever a conscious acknowledgement that like sometimes it's not that it's rarely a meritocracy? And uh, it, I mean, yeah, it's never nothing's ever fair. I mean, I, but I like I'm not at the point in my comedy career where I can be like, "Oh, well, these people got big and sure. I didn't get big," or like these people should have gotten big. I mean, I'm just like, I'm performing with people I like to perform with, and I see people who I like performing, and I think they should be uh, paid to do this. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not at a place where I can be like, I, you know, I, this person, I don't know. I, I am at that place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so what was your issue with Piff when you saw him? Uh, I didn't like the costume conceit. I didn't think he was funny. I, you know, just, I, I didn't like it. Uh, How many magicians do you see on Fool Us? that are uh, very apparently going for comedy in some regard or another that you think are funny. The, uh, the silence should tell you. Yes. I feel like the silence is hold on one second. (laughs) 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 That's from the sound pad. Uh, yeah. I wonder if anyone has, how many, how many do you think are funny? Like that have really struck you as funny. Uh, I, I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head because I'm trying to think of like, I remember who have I seen? I've seen ones versus... that I think are charming. I do think that, uh, like some people, I, I, I'm sure there have been more and I haven't watched the show very closely in a long time, but I know some people go for like, for instance, um, there's a magician named Ben Seidman. I think he's out in New York, mm-hmm. uh, and he's pretty big right now. He, he he's I think he did Ma- Magic Live and Genie both, which are like the two biggest conventions. So he's he's pretty big, and he's put out some products, and he's a lot of interesting stuff. But he he did this um, very very famous old trick uh, called the Ring Watch in the Wallet, uh, where you put a ring, a watch, and a wallet in an envelope, and you tear it all up, and then they all disappear, and then the ring's back on your finger, the watch is on your wrist, and your wallet's back in your money. It's a classic trick, famously made by a guy named Tom You Wonder in like the seventies or eighties, published it in a book. Nobody was. Of, you know, and, and but he did is he basically just did four minutes stand up and then did that trick, um, and you know the cons- one of the the secrets the the open secret to that show is that ninety percent of the people that go on are not trying to fool Penn and Teller they're trying to get a good bit of TV you know they're trying to get a TV credit Penn will say something kind of nice about them depending on how much he actually liked the act or not yeah um, and then Teller he, doesn't say anything what the fuck is up with that yeah I've never gotten that what's his deal um, is he always sick I, anyway I don't know what his he ain't always sick. <laughs> <laughs> that had um, no content. <laughs> tone was what that was. Uh, <laughs> the tone and your shit-eating grin. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's not always eating shit. Am I allowed to make that joke? <laughs> no, John. <laughs> uh, Hold on. 
Yeah, there it is. <laughs> hey, that was that was perfect. Uh, that was Casey leaning across the table to hit that button, on um, and and very luckily remembering which which button one it was. was. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm like, well, he knew. Uh, but you know, I don't know. Do you like when you watch a magician and they're trying to be funny? What are you doing? Are you listening to the comedy? Are you just like, is it just the, the 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 vegetable your mom makes you eat before you can have dessert? <laughs> what an awful but accurate description of you know what comedy I mean? and magic. Is it the salad your mom makes you eat before she's like, you can't have your cake? And like, and the, the cake being the trick itself, you're like, this is what I... Because I, I think sometimes that is what... I, I don't get it a lot. I don't think people always know this. But I think I sometimes do feel that. And that is like, I have to sit through this shitty performer to get to a cool magic trick. Mm. And the trick is cool. Yeah. I that's That's a tough thing is because... the presentational style of the comedy is sometimes a a bit stilted. You know, and I think that that's something that I think you guys would probably say is pretty prevalent in the magic that you see on I would actually say that magicians are the best performers on God's Earth. Um, And that's, there's just no... Just not of comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, if you are a comedian, you're by far the funniest. You're a magician. You're by far the funniest person that's ever lived. Who, who like, are the off the top of your head? Who are the funniest comedians? You know? I mean, funniest magicians. You know, Harrison Greenbaum. But again, uh-huh. he's a stand-up in New York. He and he did AGT only as a stand-up. Uh, yes, and last comic standing. Yeah. Um, uh, but he has a very successful one-person comedy and magic show. But he is, you know, a magician. You can buy. You can see him at the Magic Castle and a whole bunch of places. Um, He's a good magician, and he's hilarious. David Williamson, I think, is hilarious. Yeah, um, Who I'll get to see live in January. Oh, that's right. Um, do you have a ticket for that? Um, I do. I might just go on the same night as you. Oh. In in Ohio? Oh, no. It's going to the Pantages. Oh. Oh, no, no. I'm seeing oh, him he's at, at uh, Magic, Magi Fest. Magi Fest. Got it. Okay. Never mind. Uh, the Fest of the Magi? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, a real sad convention. <laughs> <laughs> we all just give each other shit we already have. Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, I would say Zabrecki Zabre- yeah. and John Archer are my uh, two very funny. Uh, John Archer, it's, it's funny. John Archer is very funny in an quote-unquote old-fashioned way because just, he just has a ton of jokes. Right. But I just think he is so funny. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what. You could list everything he says and be like, oh, he's sort of doing what we were talking about. But he's just very good at it. Sure. And some people are just funny. Yeah. Right? And you can just tell because they're funny. And it's hard to quantify what makes them funny? Yeah. Uh, how does the magic look to you on Fool Us? Uh, I I can never. I don't think I've ever been able to tell mm-hmm. what or how something has happened. No, I'm surprised or, by that. Yeah, I mean, I watched it on YouTube. Yeah, and you know, the quality is not great. No, no, but. I'm just surprised because uh, you were trained in math. Is that right? Yes. Uh, oh, so there's uh, okay. Uh, so I occasionally, guess, um, there are tricks that are like very math. There's math. There are math tricks, but uh, and I, I like. I kind of don't turn that part of my brain on when uh, i'm watching okay. it are you right? able to i don't know if i could like I, I i have not i'm not actively trying to find out how they're doing it right like that's not that's not my goal so i mean the only one that i the only one that i can remember is there was a uh uh a coin one uh after i had seen you do your coin tricks uh right because you came to the dry run yes oh, okay. uh and i was like oh i can kind of see that there's a little thing on the the mat that he's doing coin stuff with. Mm. Uh, was this on Foolus? It was on Foolus, I think. Mm. Um, off oh. mic. Do you remember who it was? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, how how was often he, are you was returning he, to... Um, was he ethnic? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, I, uh, but I think so. 
<laughs> How often are you returning to videos to watch them again? Like, act like, or showing them to other people? Never. Actually, it's kind of great that you don't watch them to try to figure out what they are, considering you're watching them on a show called Fool Us. Yeah, I mean, I'm just watching them because they're fun, and it's fun I to watch the magic It's like trick. the ideal magic audience. Yeah, that's great. Take yeah. me to the castle and because show me the way. Well, because then you don't feel that you are fighting. I'm talking to John. You don't feel like you are. I feel like sometimes you are up against this dynamic of like, I'm kind of fighting the people trying to figure out what's happening while I'm doing it thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, I, I don't know. I still don't even really know how I feel about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that like, I'm fighting against people who think that that's the point. Right. I think my, my, my prop, my, my philosophy on magic is the idea that, at its highest, it shouldn't be a puzzle to solve. It should be a, a simulation to be enjoyed. Yes. Oh, I will say that I was talking to you earlier about um, uh, a different podcast, Discourse and Magic, has an interview with Ben Earl. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, I'm, I might be paraphrasing incorrectly, but it, uh, they were sort of talking about that they felt that coin magic was on that puzzle level. Uh, I think all magic can be in some regard. Yeah. Um, they it's, were, it's difficult. To, <laughs> they were kind of applying it to all of coin magic. <laughs> I mean, I haven't. That sounds like a huge generalization. I haven't listened to the episode. And, yeah, uh, you know, but um, the and Casey, I was going to ask you if anyone, if there's any other uh, foolish performances that like stuck out to you. Right. I'm just always fascinated. I never, I rarely get to really look through, at magic through the eyes of someone that doesn't do magic. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who I who I've really liked. Uh, I just. I mean, I like Penn and Teller the most, uh, and so oh, like, right, yeah. That's I like. I like watching their performances on it. And I like watching them talk about uh, magic and have reactions to the the sets. Uh, yeah, wait, were you saying was it before the podcast or that you were saying the the um, the flat the rose or was it Rob saying that our friend Rob was saying this? Yes, yeah, it was but Rob. Did Rob Tell- had just seen them recently. Yeah, yeah, but did Teller do the rose trick on the show? Yes, they. Yes, I mean. He did. They, I mean, part of the reason why they're coming up with so much new material for their show is because they need new material to do on Fool Us. Ah, uh, I see. They probably did The Rose three years ago. Yeah. Um, the Rose is uh, cool. The uh, My favorite that I've seen on the TV show that they have done, I think, is The Goldfish Thing. Yeah. Uh, have you seen that? No. Oh, that's beautiful. That's, that's uh, the one? That's Teller. It's called Silverfish is the name of the routine. I don't know if it would come up like that, but that's what the title of the routine. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it's just, a, it's just a, a very heightened version of a classic trick called the miser's dream where a magician keeps making coins appear out of the air and you know dropping them in a bucket and uh this is he brings up this woman to the audience he sits her down um he's a fishbowl and he has this empty fish tank that he's um he's like squeezing water and then it's turning into coins that he's dropping into the, the the bowl and it's just smart it's just a smart 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 routine the way it's constructed and it's so well thought out and well planned out. They also recently had a thing. I forget what the what it was, it was but um, the thing with the glass breaking. Oh yeah, that a lot of people were like that. Seemed that was like new, right? Oh yeah, and I haven't. So uh, my friend comes back from Vegas and he'd seen their show. And I'm like, how much new? Mat- Robert Ramirez comes mm-hmm. back from Vegas and he goes, oh, I just saw their show. It was incredible. I'm like, oh, it was a bunch of new. He's like, yeah, it was a lot of new stuff. I'm trying to describe some of it to me, but the number one thing he's excited to tell me about was this thing. Yeah. And we haven't, like, the, the the thing he sits me down to tell me is about this brand new, um, brand new Penn and Teller trick. And he's so excited to tell me. And then it's not until well after that that he tells me that he and his girlfriend just broke up. We've <laughs> 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 been together like 11 months and we know I knew pretty well. And so, uh, but, and, uh, <laughs> so that, but the and trick he, was that good. Yeah, oh, he like, and Life then, updates? Fuck it. 
Right. I think that's a good summary of the life of a magician. Right. <laughs> that's very funny. Um, so, Casey, thank you so much for being a yeah, guest. Thanks, so much. thanks for show. having me. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to uh, Texas. I'll actually be back only in like 10 or 12 days. So, actually, we'll probably be able to get out an episode relatively soon. Why aren't you going to London right after that? I am, but uh, I'm having to come back early. Oh, I see. Because, of course, as you know, you book a ticket and then you book something. That's just the way it is. Right. That's why you only book one ways. That, yeah. I know, but I still am going to lose the ticket. No. <laughs> Uh, Norwegian Air, not an easy airline to change your ticket on. Um, but I'll also, uh, I wanted to mention, since we were talking about improv and stuff, uh, a shout out to Justin Zell, uh, who is one of our listeners, and he uh, runs the Steel City Improv mm-hmm. Theater in Pittsburgh with, oh, fun. with Casey Daly. And uh, I am going to Magi Fest in Ohio with him. Cool. So I was just thinking we should do some updates. Me and Justin can do some updates from uh, Magi Fest if John is okay with someone else. Being on the I'll burn your ass to the ground, but you know if that's if that's what you want to sell out our. Did you say you'll burn my house or ass to the ground? Um, I, I think you said ash. <laughs> I'll burn your ash to the ground. Uh, yeah, if you have a pile of ash, <laughs> ash burns, right? I know. I know. It's got a pile of ash. <laughs> <laughs> Three. Yeah. Uh, and Casey, where can people find you? Uh, see you if they should they want to. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Casey Lorance, and my last name is Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, but you can follow me at L-O-R-E-A-N-T-S, because it sounds like my name, but is not my name because there's a fucking minor league pitcher named Casey Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> so, I need to follow up to see if that uh, major league baseball player ever got into the castle. Oh, right. The else. last time I auditioned, uh, I don't know if I told you this, Casey, uh, another guy was auditioning. Literally doing the one of the exact same tricks as me. Whoa! And I was like, he that was like a lot more than you think. That at this stage in magic, that is not deserving of a whoa. How that and, happens? And he was like, yeah, well, I have, uh, I can't audition a lot of the year because I'm not in town because of my work. I'm like, oh, what do you do for work? He's like, oh, I'm a professional baseball player. And if you met someone random off the street doing something in your in my mind, I was like, oh, he's like a class A. You know, like right. whatever. Yeah, I was like, "So, who do you play for?" He's like, "Oh, the Miami Marlins." <laughs> uh, who was he? He's a catcher for the Miami Marlins. He and just he was a catcher this year for the Marlins. This year and uh, the, in the last after after they traded Real Muto. Ah, that, those are words. Uh, uh, JT Real Muto was their All Star catcher okay. uh, two seasons ago, and this last season uh, ah. they had a platoon uh, at catcher. So he came up in the last month of the year and hit a home run. Oh, hey, congrats to him! So, to, like the number of you're already in the point zero zero one percent of people if you've hit a major league home run. That's right. Thanks. That's awesome. Hey, hey, I hope he got in. I hope he got in, and I hope we all get to meet him one day, and he'll be a guest on the podcast. Ooh. Um, well, Casey, thanks so much. Uh, we'll see you guys, I guess, in 2020. Wow. See ya. What? Next year. Was there? Gross. No, I used to hear when people say it. Gross. Oh, I'll you say that. I'll see next year. Oh, it feels more right because it's about a month from now. But yeah, people do that uh, like on the last work day before they leave. Right. See ya next year. Well, we'll see you next year. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>